1: Welcome to the Five on the Floor podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network. I'm here at American Airlines Arena with Alex Toledo. You can follow him at Tropical Blanket. Of course, I'm at Five Reasons Sports and Ethan J. Skolnick. The Miami Heat have just beaten the Philadelphia 76ers 117 to 116 to go to 24. And eight on the season. Before we get to today's episode, I want to tell you about one of the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that, of course, is Dutch Valley Farms. What's Dutch Valley Farms? For starters, they're not your average cannabis grow farm. They've got deep roots in the 305, and this hometown group of doctors, CPAs, and Silicon Valley professionals have taken their talents from the 305 to the 503 to make you the finest flower out there. How does Miami find its way all the way out in Oregon? Simple, a team with a shared belief in cannabis research and erasing the stigma behind the bud. Today, The Dutch Valley Farms crew is bringing together old school growing practices with new school tech to deliver a consistently clean, high quality experience that you can feel good about. The proof is in the plant. You want more information? Visit DutchVF.com. That's DutchVF.com. Or follow on Instagram at Dutch Valley Farms. And now today's episode.
0: Welcome to Five on the Floor. A Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alvon Sidney, a.k.a. Al 954. Brought to you by the 5 Reasons Sports Network.
1: Alright, Ethan Skolnick back here with Alex Toledo. We're in a back room at the Media Center here at American Airlines Arena after... One of the more thrilling back-to-backs that I've covered in a long time. I almost forgot about the Indiana game the night before. We didn't pod after it. Um, Make sure you check out our pod with Myers Leonard and L. Leonard, which came out the previous day. Um, I think you'll enjoy that. But the Pacer game was incredible. We haven't even really touched on it, and we're not going to really do that tonight. Um, We will do a context pod sometime before the end of the weekend and try to put everything into perspective on where this team is with 50 games left in the season. They've got 50 games left. They're 24 and 8 and Alex right now as we speak, they are second by themselves in the Eastern Conference with wins against the Bucks, Sixers twice, Toronto and Indiana. Only team they've lost to and haven't beaten of that group is Boston. Faced them once on the road. Haven't gotten them here. Also on a second night of a back-to-back, Also on a second night of a back-to-back. Those losses, all on the road. All those other losses. But let's just get to tonight. And we're going to do this uh, as rapid fire as we can. But the first thing that I want to touch on tonight, as we go through, and there's so many things we can get to. I'm looking at the box score, Alex, and literally these two teams played the exact same game. It was incredible. Like the shooting percentages, similar. The rebounds, similar. The fouls, similar. The assists, similar. The free throw attempts, the same 29. Uh, but the first thing that I kind of wanted to get to tonight is the other guys for the Heat. Because we've had so much conversation about. Jimmy and Bam, Jimmy and Bam, Jimmy and Bam. And both of them made huge plays when it mattered. And in some cases, didn't make the right play when it mattered. Jimmy missed some free throws. But tonight, Jimmy and Bam were 12 of 35 from the field. They shot roughly, what what is that, 34%. And the Heat won anyway, because they got 6 for 6 from Duncan Robinson before he kind of got taken out of the mix. They got 35 minutes out of Goran Dragic, 19 points, 7 of 16 from the field. Goran came in with four minutes left in the third quarter and did not come out
2: at his age on the second night of a back-to-back after he made the game winner the previous night. I thought that was really interesting because I thought after Duncan got that fifth foul early on, was that the second quarter that he got that? Mm-hmm. I thought Spo was going to bring him out in the in the last minute or two, and he never took Goran out of the game. And we've seen Spoh, you know, go with the guy who he thinks – is performing well that night in the past, but like you said, playing him from the end of the third quarter through overtime, it's kind of a lot on his body. But you know, got to give credit for Spo trusting him, even though there was a size advantage there, even though you know the Sixers had Trey Burke out there. It was very uh, telling of Spo to trust Goran in that way versus that team. Yep, no
1: doubt about it. All right, so let's get to this. We're gonna do instead of doing five things tonight, we're gonna do ten, and we're gonna do them quickly. Tyler Harrell did it again. Joel Embiid trapped, thought he was going to get fouled. I put some video up on Five Reasons Sports. Brett Brown didn't seem real happy with that decision. Um, Joel Embiid didn't seem real happy with Brett Brown questioning the decision. Gets stripped. Tyler Hero on, in transition, step back three. Uh, okay. Unbelievable. Unbe- uh, now, and I'm going to give one anecdote, and then I want to get to your thoughts on Tyler. I, I just gave this anecdote out on Twitter. I was told by Heat official the other night, that he was having a conversation with Tyler and asking him again, who do you want to be? Like, what do you, who do you emulate? I think I asked the same question of Tyler earlier, and he always says Devin Booker. And the Heat officials said, aim higher. Aim for a guy who's going to defend, who has an all-around game, <laughs> who, who is in this culture. That's basically what he That's told us. That's basically them. what they said. <laughs> That's yeah. basically what they told him. And aim higher. Be like, yeah, we want you to be Devin Booker on offense. But <laughs> <laughs> right, but not the other stuff. Not the other stuff. Don't uh, get it twisted. <laughs> right. What are we seeing? What's happening here? He's 19 years old. Tonight, 6 of 14 from the field, 4 of 8 from 3, 16 points, 5 rebounds. But we've already seen now this is now three games where he's essentially had what what turned out to be
2: basically game-changing shots. Yep. What is this? I mean— this is that drip that he was talking about, right? This is this is the real drip, not the clothes. The fact that he's performing and taking similar shots that he was taking and getting famous for in high school and making them on elite NBA defenses, this guy is unbelievable. He made multiple of those shots that you just alluded to. And, you know, to do it against the Sixers, to do it in the fashion that he did, I mean, look... I gotta be honest, me and Alf had a really hard time staying objective after that shot. We were like, (laughs) trying our hardest not to lose our shit. I'm
1: gonna set the scene on this a little bit. Um, (laughs) Alf and Alex were not sitting with me tonight. I was my usual seat, which is like right above first level. They put us in 106. So it's sort of close to center court, but right above it. Alf, Alf and Alex often sit there as well. Tonight, there was a little overflow. Like yesterday, we had plenty of seats there. Tonight, was a little overflow. They didn't put you guys upstairs. So yeah, we, a, were, we
2: were just glad to not be in the 400 level. You were
1: not in the 400 level. They put you basically behind the basket, up a little bit higher, but behind the basket. I actually like that view, to be honest. I mean, you can see what's happening. It, you know, it's, it's a sort of a good film view. Um, and the two of you were there, so I did not See you to shoot you dirty looks because you were being unpro- likely being unprofessional when he hit that shot. I mean, for anybody else, it Alex, was very fitting. We sat with the fans,
2: right? Well, it's <laughs> appropriate, right?
1: I mean, for anybody else, that's a bad shot,
2: right? easily 100% like the fact that he had the gall to take that shot and they were down they were down right like this is not when they were tied and he's just taking you know he put I'm sorry he put his balls on the table man like that was unbelievable he does Well now that you said that I can tell this other anecdote and we'll move on from Tyler Hero real quick Uh,
1: I asked before the game people have been trying to figure out what his Twitter handle means because it's R-A-F underscore Tyler so the assumption because this is where people's minds
2: go is that it means real as f- yeah okay i thought it was a fashion thing because he's big into the fashion stuff and wrath right. is a very uh popular well, fashion a, reference nobody, in rap music
1: okay fine but that nobody thought it, i
2: don't think anybody thought it was a fashion thing everybody thought
1: it was real as fuck right isn't that what everybody thought i i honestly didn't have a guess besides that okay i walked up to him before the game before he ends up making this shot and i said i just walked up to him and i said real as fuck he looks at me like I'm insane, and I'm like, well, "What are you?" T-? And he goes, "What are you talking about?" I said, "Your Twitter handle." He goes, "No, no, 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 no." No, no, he no. He, say, he says it means uh, rich and famous. I came up with when I was six years old. Now, we have people questioning me you say he's lying to me, that it really means rich as fuck, and that's what he meant to say. But either way, rich and, fa- rich, rich and famous, real as fuck, whatever it is, we apologize. We know we have kids listening. I ran into some tonight. Uh, Tyler Hero is all of that. It's all drip. All right, number two. Let's get to this one tonight. Um, Jimmy Butler. We're going to get into this more in a future pod. But I don't know what to make of Jimmy Butler right now because tonight he had 25, 9, and 9 and was a plus 18, which other than Myers Leonard, who was terrific, we'll touch on him, was the best on the team. He was also 7 of 21 from the field. I don't remember him making a shot outside of 10 feet. Yeah, I looked up and I saw that he had like, what, 29 points and I was like, when did he score those points? Right, well, 11 of 14 from the line again. I feel like we've seen this game before uh, where he doesn't get a field goal until the second quarter. I looked up his shooting numbers tonight, Alex, and this is a precursor for a future pod. We're going to dive into this, but not tonight. Uh, He is shooting his lowest percentage from basically every distance beyond 10 feet this year since his rookie year, which I don't count because he hardly played. He didn't start a game. But his numbers are down, and not by a little bit. From last year, he's down about 6%. From 10 to 16 feet, he's down about 5 to 6% from 16 to 23 feet. And we know he's down from three-point range, which is beyond 23 feet. Uh, he, he's not shooting the ball the way he did before. And yet, still doing enough, even with missing the three free throws. Remember, at one point in this game, I think he was 9 of 9, right? And then he went two of his last five from the line. Um, we'll get into him more. But do you have a concern about the shooting? Are they going to be able to win games like this in the postseason if he's shooting the ball from distance, and not just distance,
2: from mid-range the way that he's been shooting it lately? See, so this is something that we've talked about in the past, and it's something that I've talked about with Alf also. It's kind of, you can go both ways on this, right? Because there's room for improvement because we think that you know once Winslow is back and he's taking some of that playmaking pressure off of Jimmy that he'll get some easier looks maybe he won't have to do all of that playmaking which takes out his legs because of all the playmaking that he has to do and I think it makes it tougher on him in the fourth quarter I think that might have had to do with some of those missed free throws but yeah like there's room for improvement I think it will get better but at the same time which you alluded to before it might be a problem right because if you're not getting the same amount of free throws in the playoffs which is something that they're heavily dependent on because he's getting double-digit free throws seemingly every game now I don't know what his average is for the season, but it feels like it, right? Especially at home. And if they're not getting the same number of free throw attempts, I think it's going to be tougher for them to, you know, generate some points. I think it has a lot to do with this matchup that he he was so... He was as inefficient from the field as he was tonight. But but at at the same time, it's like... Three straight against Philly, he's been this inefficient. Yep, and the thing is, all, all the other stuff that works for the Heat's offense, as far as the cutting and the shooting, that stuff is... You know cut off like all of those lanes become a lot harder for the other heat players to navigate, you know It's a lot of winning on the margin at this point with right. the Sixers And if you're getting if you're losing free throw attempts in the playoffs, it's gonna to be tough for them Yeah, I mean they may lose a game as a result of
1: uh, again, uh, you know, his jump shooting and there was one situation I've said it repeatedly. I want to see him in the post more often. There's one situation tonight He got himself in the post the double comes, he sees Goron, he makes the pass out to Goron, Goron makes the three. Can we get him down there more often? You know, there was a certain point I was like, don't even operate outside of ten feet anymore. Like and, and what stuns me about You it, want Jimmy to turn it to Ben Simmons? Well, you know what? <laughs> what's crazy about it is the Sixers had him last year and they were still guarding him like he's you know an efficient perimeter shooter like maybe because he was for them slightly more so than he has been this year and I'm like if they're gonna guard him like yet yeah, okay but I at this point he's so good operating you know in the paint and operating in the post that I would be fine with him just doing that but anyway 25 uh, nine and nine all right this the third thing I want to talk about tonight. Um, is Myers Leonard, and in a different context than we have, because everybody, you know, Myers is a great guy. Myers is a great locker room guy. Myers sets good screens. Uh, I don't think they win this game without Myers tonight. I, I actually thought, and, and the, you know, the box score is not going to blow anybody away: seven points and eight rebounds uh, in 30 minutes. And he didn't play down the stretch, but I, he had the second stint again against Philadelphia. We talked about it last time. Kelly Olynyk is unplayable against the Sixers. He just is. And he had the one six-minute stint, and Spo decided that was enough. Didn't play Chris Silva again tonight. Kept going back to Myers Leonard. Uh, Leonard had that that, that steal, um, and the screen setting was terrific. But he also hounded Embiid all the way out to the perimeter. I thought from top to bottom, again, it's not going to show up as a big thing, but the 7.8 rebounds, uh, he didn't get credit for steal. He got credit for block on that play. Plus 19 on the game, though, in 30 minutes.
2: His best game with Miami Heat, in my opinion. So I think something that we overlooked with this matchup is that even though it's very unfavorable for most of the players on the team in general, it's actually not at all unfavorable for Myers Mm Leonard. And I think it's for this reason. He can drop back on defense every single time. So where he gets exposed on defense is when he has to come up on guys who are pull-up shooters or quicker than him, which is mostly everybody. And he doesn't really have to do that versus the Sixers. When they're zoning or not, he's effective because you don't have to come up and guard Josh Richardson like he's Kemba Walker or anything like that because the, the Heat guys are switching you know, so profusely that it's not on him, mm-hmm. right? It, it's And when you go to the 2-3 zone, he's perfect for it. It completely yeah. mitigates all of his defensive weaknesses and he's a, he's a very, very, very big man and can help with Embiid out there and not in a one-on-one fashion because Embiid can bully him and get a lot of free throw calls that way, but because of the zone... You know, Embiid is having to make decisions out there every time, almost getting doubled every time that he gets the ball uh, on the low block. And I think it's a very, very good matchup for Myers. Yeah, and I think you're going to see more of him in, in
1: those kind of matchups. And again, the Olympic question for me, there just have been very few games to me where Kelly's made the kind of impact that he needs to, and this is just not... Not a good matchup for him. All right, number four, uh, Duncan Robinson tonight. The five fouls were kind of a fluky thing. I I don't think it's because he was defending poorly. I I thought a couple were ticky-tack and a couple uh, were sort of circumstantial. Four of four from three tonight, though. He's now shooting 52% from
2: three in December.
1: (laughs) He's the, best, he's the best
2: shooter in the league right now. From He's putting on a case to be the best shooter they've ever had, right? Outside of Ray Allen's huge shot in the finals. What he's done this season is, is like, short of nobody that they've ever had before, right? Like, mm-hmm. just the volume, the ways that he's getting to these shots, how effortlessly he shoots it, and the fact that he's just blistering high over 50% from three on, what, seven, eight attempts a game? Like, this is ridiculous. He... Again, untradeable. You can't trade him. No, you can't. But I, I was surprised
1: that he didn't come back in late. I, I, Same I here. He, he, he did in the overtime, but it was brief. It was a couple of possessions. Uh, but I, I do think if I've had, you know, they won the game. And you, got, you know how I feel about Spolster. But if I had a complaint about Spolster for the last 11, 12 years about rotations, it's that sometimes he will fall in love with a group and never make a change. Mm-hmm. I remember one ga- I re- was it Sean Marion years ago when they were when he, Marion was the Heat, we're going back 10 years, where he mentioned he forgot Sean was on the bench. I, I don't think that kind of stuff happens anymore, okay? He's a much more experienced coach. I, I remember that was part of the reason of having Ron Rothstein there was to kind of remind him of these things. <laughs> but but tonight, I, you know, I, we mentioned Dragic off the top. And, you know, have Goron in for that long. Now, I think what it speaks to with Goron, though, is that, again, how badly they miss Winslow, you know. And and so and it's weird because they miss Winslow. And yet there were certain times that I don't know where Winslow would have fit. But they don't want he doesn't want Jimmy having to handle down the stretch of games. And I still don't think he trusts Kendrick to do it. Not in a game like this, yeah. and so that means the guy he's going to trust is Goran Dragic, and he's going to trust Goran Dragic to play 35 minutes on the second night of a back-to-back and versus a huge team. Versus a huge team, Goran finished over Embiid and got the foul at the end of that game. Right after I said they've got to get him out because he looks as he's got no legs. Um, and he was dribbling the hell out of the clock uh, a couple he, possessions he before that ridiculous shot. He was. Well, I think when Goran gets tired, he over-dribbles. That, that's, he, he goes the opposite of other things. But anyway, I thought he could have gotten dead, uh, Duncan Robinson back in the game tonight. He didn't, uh, but again, Duncan makes the four threes along with Tyler Harrow. One more heat topic, and then we're going to actually flip it after the break. I want to touch on Philadelphia some because there is interest in Philadelphia. Uh, but the fifth thing tonight... Is Bam Adebayo, who had to me one of his least impactful games that he's had recently. The 11 points, three rebounds, two assists. I mean, we're used to bigger numbers from him by this point, but I just got to keep saying it. When Joel Embiid drops 10 feet off of him, Bam has to look at the basket. He has to, whether he wants to take the shot or not. He's got to at least look that direction and make them respect him. Because otherwise, it's just like we're going to talk about the fill the zone with Philly. Until you counter that in an effective way, they're going to keep doing it. And, And that I feel like we're only touching on this in in the Philly games. But
2: he's got to fix it. They're going to see this team in the playoffs, I think. And they're going to see this type of defense versus other teams, whether it's now in the regular season or not. We're most likely going to see that that same defensive scheme in the playoffs, whether it's against the Sixers or not. The Raptors can do it because they have a big, slow center who they can just... Uh, tell to put his arms up the same way the Sixers do with Embiid. You know the Celtics have Daniel Tice. We've talked about it before. Who another guy who isn't exactly fleet of foot. Oh. So it makes a lot of sense to just keep him as a, the, the vertical defensive presence. But I think with Bam, we've already seen like the way to 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 beat that defensive scheme, or at least give yourself a real chance that it is either Bam going directly to the basket and going for one of those little floaters or trying to just, you know, dunk over the center. Bam taking those mid-range shots. He's gotten a little bit better at it. Like, he's taking some of those shots now. I think he wasn't taking many of them before. But at the same time, the, the real way to beat it is to have guys go around Bam and Bam do either the, the, the screen into a handoff or screen and roll. And I think that's where you get the defense moving. You get the defense having to make a decision. And like, for example, we saw it a couple times towards the end with Tyler where uh, they were
1: I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with better help visit betterhelp.com/miamiheat today to get 10% off your first month. Again that's betterhelp slash Miami Heat.
2: Uh, Hero comes around, bam, and gets the ball. And then Hero is very good in those two-on-two situations in the pick-and-roll. And And at that point, you have to choose how you're going to defend, right? And that's the way to beat it. And I think they're going to have to do more of that going forward. Well, he did have the slam over
1: Josh Richardson tonight, and I'm looking at his Instagram. <laughs> he calls everything bounce back here, but then he has hmm right after it. So for oh, man. <laughs> his hmm brother, uh, he dunked right over Josh. Josh has something to say because of that, that four-point play that he uh, had. Uh, jo- Josh had some plays we're going to get to after the break because I, I do want to touch on Philadelphia because I feel like we're going to see them again. Uh, but first, I want to tell you about a great sponsor of the 5 Reasons Sports Network, and that is the New Gold Club. It's right the New Gold Club in Pompano Beach. They're open every day from 11 a.m. to 2 a.m. If you're not familiar with where they are, they're hidden back. A little bit kind of in a warehouse district, Uh, but they're very close to Powerline Road and Copens in Pompano Beach, so just a little bit west of I 95, a little bit east of the Turnpike. And it's not just a gentleman's club, ladies get in free all of the time. That's right, all the time, ladies get in free. They've got five dollar you call it every Monday, so just show up on Monday and for five bucks, you can get your glass filled. All night long that's just $5 for all night long and of course they have what's called Sin City Sunday which um, yeah, maybe Alex well I and I can't go to because we're not part of the service industry but if you are it's 20% off uh, on Sin City Sunday so go check out the new gold club that's in Pompano Beach all right let's touch on the Sixers um, because <laughs> they came off a win against the Bucks and I have said all along that based on talent pure talent The highest upside team is the Philadelphia 76ers. And based on personalities, the lowest downside team among the top six is the Philadelphia 76ers. And Jeff, um, excuse me, Stan Van Gundy said it today on or last night, actually on NBA TV. He said, I don't trust them. He says they're the least consistent team of the top six in the East. I also think they have the coach in the most trouble. And let's start there. You think Brett Brown is on the hot seat? I think Brett Brown is on the hot seat. Oh, and, and, and if you and if you look at some of the clips from tonight, where he's kind of calling out Embiid a little bit, and then Embiid was actually asked about something uh, about you know whether the team he wasn't about the team coming apart, but it was kind of was everybody pulling together, and he said, "Who said that?" And he said, "Ben said it." I, I feel like there's this underlying tension with this team. I've never seen Josh Richardson look so stiff. He did it after the game, you know, because they do their they do their media availabilities like where everybody has to get together in the middle of the room and all interview at once it's not loose it's uncomfortable it's stiff it's formal and Josh pretty tight in there it's tight right and Josh we know Josh. Josh is not stiff and formal, okay? He's just
2: not used to being in the visitor locker room. No, well, that. <laughs> well,
1: that, well he's not. But it's also, it's just, it's the way that some of these sort of big, we call them, you know, these Northeast City teams do media, is very different. The press is very different. They're all over him on every loss in a different way than we are. And, I mean, they're unforgiving, right? And so, and it's always somebody's fault. I mean, and so I think that's kind of what we
2: countered a little bit. But I mean, l- you, sorry to interrupt, but you thought the draft, Dribbling out of bounds stuff was was received badly here. Well, he threw the ball out of bounds today. Right. <laughs> he airmailed that
1: one. Yeah, that's on, on the scouting report. Uh, but let's get to number one on the Sixers. We'll do five quick ones on the Sixers. I think their coach is in the most trouble of the top six coaches uh, in in the East. I mean, on on the six teams. If you look at the coaches, Spoh's going to be coach of the year or should be. Uh, Brad Stevens is very safe. Nate McMillan has way overachieved with that group this year. Oh yeah. Uh, obviously. Uh, Nick Nurse isn't going anywhere. He just won a championship, and they've overachieved. They beat Boston tonight, right? And who am I missing? Milwaukee. Yeah, Bud's safe. You're talking about elite coaches at the top of the Eastern Conference. Um, Brett Stevens. Well, <laughs> that's another <laughs> argument. But Brett, he's done a pretty good job this year. Once you got Kyrie out of there, which I thought would be the case. Begrudgingly, I agree. All right, but Brett Brown, I think, is in real trouble. I, I, you know, Brett Brown was there to put this thing together when they had a bunch of young players that couldn't play. Uh, they've drafted a bunch of high-end guys. Some of them have busted out. Some of them are not there anymore, including Markel Fultz, who they may have given up on too soon. Watched him play last night. He looks pretty damn good. I wanted the Heat to get him last season for that reason. Um, but I, I think this thing is going to fall apart. I'll throw this at you before we get to this game. Do you think Brett Brown even survives the season?
2: Yes. I was kind of surprised by that take because I could see you know, the seat warming up if things start to go the other way. But at the same time, right like he did a great uh, coaching job versus the heat a couple years ago uh, out coached Spo, mm. another thing i'll say begrudgingly and then last year did a terrific job versus the raptors almost beat them lost by you know a buzzer beating shot by the guy who ends up winning finals mvp puts together Jordan S performance i think it's going to depend on what happens in the playoffs this year if they go out you know definitely in the first round i think that you know warms up the seed a lot more but if they end up losing to the bucks i think he'll be okay and i don't know man i think it's going to depend a lot more on the playoff stuff because of how long he stuck through taking those stains on his coaching record for years mm-hmm. before before they got him in simmons but most of, most, he'll be of those, okay. most of
1: those guys don't survive it though i mean he's he, he has survived it but he has a certain way about him he's very his style of presentation is and i like him but his style of presentation is very different from Spolster. if you notice eric never always said this, he never calls out players individually. He calls out the group Praises individually. Brett Brown will let you will know when you hear from Brett Brown who he has a problem with. It's very clear. And even with Embiid tonight, he didn't hide it. He's dealing with very temperamental players, and everybody knew that he had a problem with Jimmy last year. It mm-hmm. was coming out right from the it, start it, it, was, it, it was it was obvious, and I, I you know I think some of it was overstated, but it, it, from the very start, it becomes clear there was a strain. And there was a strain, and so that, that that's an issue there. All right, let's get to number two uh, tonight, which is Embiid. And, and this is one of the things to look at with the Heat. <laughs> Joel Embiid had 35 and 11 tonight and was a plus 11 on the game. And I still feel like the Heat did about as much as they could have against him, even though he was 11 of 12 yep. uh, from the line. How do you handle Joel Embiid? Because th- this is – I don't worry about Ben Simmons. I don't worry about Tobias Harris. I like Josh. I don't worry about Josh. Al Horford was a minus twenty-five tonight. They had to take him off the floor for Trey Burke. It wasn't working. How do you handle Joel Embiid? And can't to me, Joel Embiid's biggest enemy is Joel Embiid. When Joel Embiid wants to play a certain way, he plays a certain way. He can't really be stopped. What do the Heat do with him if they see him
2: in the playoffs? I think they did a really good job tonight. I think over the past couple of games, they've kind of put together the framework of how to guard him, right? Because. The zone, as we already talked about before, is a especially with, in both ways, right? Because of the Heat's roster and because of the Sixers' roster, it makes so much sense. You're mitigating some of those guys that have defensive weaknesses, like Myers, like Duncan, oh. like Hero, who might not be as good as. At, at, one-on-one defense and it makes so much sense for Embiid to be guarded in that way because he can't bully you on the block one-on-one which he will if he gets you down the block he's gonna do it even if it's Bam or Embiid he's gonna be able to find you know back you down either get a foul call because he loves going for foul calls by the way and I think you did about as good of a job as you could do if you're the Heat tonight, right? And I think going forward, if you, if you do get the Sixers in the playoffs, you can be confident that there's something there that you can do. And I just got to shout out Alf right quick because when we were arguing a couple of weeks ago, something that he said was that the Heat could play Horford off of the floor. And me and Gianni were going back at him on that point because we didn't think that was going to happen. And it's happened in two straight games yep. now. Yeah. Yeah, no, so that's interesting. And Brett, Brett maybe Brett Brown should get fired for playing Trey Burke as much as he did, even yeah. though he went five of nine.
1: Well, I know, but I, but I think I think he had to do it because I mean, if you look at the minutes too, basically Trey Burke took Horford's minutes. I mean, because together they they had about fifty minutes in the game. And I, he had to do it. I mean, the bigger issue, and Trey Burke played well, but the big and he was a plus 13. You know, I think he did points. it because DJ Jay was in the game and not Myers yeah, for he, so long. He was, and I think also Burke playing was one of the reasons why I think Spoden put Duncan back in and yep. kept Harrow out there. And Goran. To, and Goron to stay a little bit smaller to counter that. But, I, I, look, getting back to Embiid here for a second, you know, I just wonder as Pat looks at it, does he say, okay, Joel had 35 and 11 tonight. If he does that against us in the playoffs, we can live with it or do I need to go get myself another big? Because that, that that's I think one of the things that you've got to look at is can you live with it? If Joel has this kind of game, can you live with it? All right, let's get to number 3 and that's Ben Simmons. Um I just don't see it man. I the more I, I don't I don't I mean I, I know he has a skill set. I thought he did a really good job hounding Jimmy at times tonight. I you know, Brett Brown was asked before the game about the stat that actually the Sixers are six points better defensively when Ben's off the floor and Brett Brown threw that stat out as a stupid stat and I think it is a stupid stat. I think Ben Simmons can defend, but I this told me everything I needed to know about whether Ben Simmons is an elite player at the end of that game they put the ball in josh richardson and trey burke's hands not in ben simmons hands not in their all-stars hands not in the number one overall pick's hands they put it in trey burke and josh richardson you and I both love Josh Richardson. The ball should not be in Josh Richardson's hands at the end of games. We Learned that the hard way. Learned it the hard way, okay? And Multiple times. And he made plays down the stretch tonight, too, okay? And he ended up with 17. He shot 50% from the floor. He made three threes, okay? And, you know, that crazy free throw play we don't even need to get into. But if, if you're trusting Trey Burke and Josh Richardson, you do not have an elite point guard. You don't. And, and I just wonder for that team long term, I know it's not the Heat's problem, but that team long term, if this Simmons-MB thing is going to work, because we're three
2: seasons into it now and Ben still can't shoot. And that's exactly what I think it's about, right? I think it has more to do with the Simmons and Embiid fit than it does on Simmons' own merit, because like you said, Simmons has a very has a skill set where, where he manages to be a very effective player. Besides the fact that he's a monster athlete and will just destroy you in transition, uh, he still shot six of twelve. Still got you know seven rebounds, eleven assists. It was a minus twelve. Yeah, but <laughs> I think again that has to do with the fact that the Heat zoned and Simmons cannot do anything with that zone. No. Like that's another thing is like you have to go to the shooters to beat the zone. And I think that's another reason that you know Brown went to these other guys who maybe you wouldn't have expected. But again, this is something that I wanted to also say when we were talking about uh, Brett Brown being on the hot seat. Mm-hmm. I think the Sixers team is built for the playoffs and i had to disagree with you on the part of them having the lowest downside even though i get the point you're trying to say mm. because i think just having that top three defense and that type of size is going to have you in pretty much every game and they've got weapons all across the floor even though it's not a great fit mm-hmm. i think they're built for the playoffs and they're about as good of a roster as you can have to beat the bucks but not at the same time we don't know if the Simmons is in a beat thing works. We still haven't seen it work to the highest levels and they I'm still very unsure their, about that. They actually made their big run two years ago when one of them was out
1: and and that's, so again, that's what I want, look, and the conversation we had, I have with Tim Bontemps when he was on the pod with me from ESPN was he's saying that in the playoffs and I understand this point, that some of the Heat's advantages would get mitigated, their, the Heat's depth advantage would get mitigated because that is a trash bench that six of the Sixers have. Well, oh, okay. not tonight, James Ennis and Trey Burke lighting up the Heat. Well, well that, that's right and they'll add
2: they'll add two buyout guys, even if they don't add one of the fifty-five uh, I think, former Sixers that are out there, I think they got to be looking at, at trade targets because going after these one-dimensional shooters like a Wayne Ellington, you know, Wayne Ellington would be cool for them, obviously for yeah. the regular season, but in the playoffs, they're going to need two-way guys who can fit into well, the lineup. How do you make a trade target? To, uh, how do you find a trade target with what they have to offer?
1: Because you yeah, can't I, give
2: up any. The, I, I mean, Horford is not attractive to anybody. So, so what is? I think that the the pathway for them isn't necessarily a three-and-D player because those are hard to come across. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to need somebody who can. Shoot and also do some stuff with the ball. Not a primary ball handler, but I think, like, if, you, if they could nab, like, Evan Fournier from the Magic, mm-hmm, okay. who have been struggling, I think that would be a great fit. Like, he's very, very good. You could play him with Embiid and Simmons. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the times, like, they're playing, you know, when they have Simmons out there and Horford at the five and Embiid off the floor, like, they got shooters in between. They got miles out there. Mm-hmm. I think they're, they're only missing a couple of guys. But at the same time, we still need to see Embiid and Simmons in the fourth quarter, in the playoffs, and how it works, whether you've got shooters around them or not, i still very doubtful. I think the I, defense I, I, is the cushion, I, the defense, but the offense is very much a the question. The offense is going to be a mess. I, I, I don't like. I'm still
1: banking start to shoot. I, I just, I don't see it, man. I, he I, needs I, to take like floaters or something, I, right? I, like take some of those they, bam shots. They, I, I just, I just don't see it. I, they put the ball in Josh Richardson's hands, uh, and, and to me, that's that that says everything you need to say. And then the fourth thing here, this was another big issue before the season. You didn't have Jimmy, who was going to take take the last shot for you Tonight it was Tobias Harris in the corner. He was four of fifteen from the field. Um, Tobias is the guy they identified before the year. I thought the Heat did a masterful job against Tobias today. I, I thought every time that he came off any kind of screen or anything like that, they were bodied up into him. Sometimes, Except that last possession. The last Ooh, he got possession he got clean. Yes, he got absolutely clean. But I thought they did generally a very nice job against him. And I, I'm going to keep coming back. This is Tobias Harris to me is Jamal Mashburn. He's Eddie Jones. He's your third guy that I don't know if I necessarily. Necessarily trust in in the big time situations, uh, and they just gave him a max, and that's why, I, you know, I'm gonna come back to this. We talk about, and this will be our number five, and we'll close here, and then we'll do an ode to Josh at the end. But I'm gonna throw this question at you: Which of these two teams? Because I don't think that I don't think the Sixers can make a meaningful trade with this roster, not right now. Which of these two teams could use Drew Holiday more?
2: The Sixers or the Heat? Is that what you're asking? Oh, man, you're getting spicy tonight. Uh, So what is that? Is is that implying that you would maybe throw Simmons into a trade? Which of these teams could use (laughs) Drew Holiday's skill set more?
1: To me, if you replace Simmons with Drew Holiday on the Sixers, you're better.
2: And Uh, He's been there before. I'm not sure, man. I'm really not sure because, yes, the Simmons— The the only reason I would even give, like— a real thought to this. It, not that I think Simmons is way better than Drew Holiday. I think they're both around top 40 players, maybe in the same tier. But the only reason I'm, I, I think you may have a point is because of the Simmons and beat fit, right? It's so bad that Drew is a better shooter. You know, it makes sense. But I don't think Drew is that point guard guy who can do all of the ball handling. I think he's best used as, an, as a combo guard right? who could do a lot of ball handling which is why I think he would be a better fit on the Heat where him and Jimmy could kind of take turns doing the, the playmaking they could each give each other a break whereas with the Sixers all of the playmaking would fall on him because they don't have any other real playmakers right I don't know, man. I think you replaced Simmons. I, I know people wouldn't agree with me. I think he replaced Simmons with Drew. And, and it's not this a bad looks, idea. This thing looks different. It's well, not a bad idea because you could probably get like other stuff from the Pelicans because you're trading right. You're trading away the guy who's like well, the seven other, years younger. The, other, the only thing about it is David Griffin
1: had to deal with Clutch for how many years in Cleveland? I don't know that he want to deal with him again necessarily,
2: but Simmons and Zion, would that work? Oh, man. That would be... Oh, my God. I didn't <laughs> even think about that. That would be insane any, to watch in transition. That any, would be like... Room. Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, that just got rough. Oh, that just got rough. Well, I mean. He's just going to go have the same problem somewhere else? (laughs) Maybe. I don't don't know what the ass
1: is. All right, final thing. uh, Ode to Josh tonight. This was, to me, the complete Josh Richardson experience. Um, He competed. Uh, First, I was glad to see the crowd give him a nice ovation. He deserved it. Uh, He competed. He made a lot of shots. Uh, He defended you know, he, he airmailed a pass out of bounds towards the end of the game. He missed the free throw that he needed to make. Claim the hits. <laughs> and, then, and, then the second one, and then the second one, he kind of hit the rim. Not sure if he hit the rim. Ben Simmons' line, lane violation didn't matter because for some reason the NBA doesn't allow you to review it. Um, I, I, you know, I look at that trade again, and I wish they had, didn't have to give him up. It, you know, it, it's kind of a shame because if you hadn't given those contracts to Waiters uh, and J.J., then... You- be a part of this. He would be a part of this. He right because they wouldn't have had to give up anything uh, to bring in to bring in Jimmy Butler. But again, looking at it right now and I love Josh. Josh played 41 minutes tonight, okay? Uh, <laughs> you make the trade that the Heat made you know, every, every day and six times on Sunday or whatever it is they call it. And, and you just say to Josh, there may be money for you in two years. Who knows?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know? he doesn't look extremely happy over there. They don't do some winning in the playoffs. You know, maybe that's that, – they, they, they gave him a tour tonight of where exactly they left the key under the mat. That's right. <laughs> the key, the key is right here. That. It's right here. It's right here. Just don't
1: throw it out of bounds. All right. Uh, thanks for joining us. We're going to do another big episode. I love Josh. You know that. I, I, it's just we'll – We'll welcome him back with open arms I, in a couple of years. Yeah, that's right. Backing up hero. Right? If Giannis doesn't come, of course. Right. <laughs> um, another of our great sponsors, Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm. Check him out at onecalllegal.com. That's spelled out O N E, calllegal.com. They've got someone there 24 hours a day to handle every kind of case, immigration. Also, of course, personal injury traffic tickets. They do a great job with that. Support our sponsors. That's what keeps us in business, all right? And they do a terrific job. They're right there in North Miami, but as like I said, they handle cases from all over the state. FiveReasonSports.com, the place to go for all of your free heat content. I'll be starting my column up next week, which is actually sponsored now by Cervanti Clothiers. so I may look better. Also, I don't know how that affects my column writing, but we'll see.
2: Um, but I'm gonna have a column up. I mean, come uh, on, next we just week. saw it tonight. You, you, hero, you know, hero is as confident as he is because, because he always looks it, good and feels good. Right. That's right. Yeah. Because I and, and I'm never
1: gonna be able to look like a real as fuck Tyler Hero. Anyway, have a great night.